0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick and Richard.
1: What's going on,
0: guys? <laughs> it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, Richard's made his return. Very excited to have him. Um, so, once again, this is going to be largely focused on football. Um, for the first week, in probably ever for us, there is no real baseball news to talk about. So I think we'll probably just get right into football, unless you guys have anything you want to talk about for baseball. I'm good.
2: I'm all right. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, there's not much to talk about this week. Okay, so I, uh, pretty dead.
0: I guess we'll start with the first game, which was Vikings 49ers. Um, 49ers pretty much ruined anything that the Vikings had going for them in, against the Saints, um, and they ended up winning 27-10. to 10. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I
2: didn't really get to watch this game, <laughs> but from what I've seen from... From the highlights and, and whatnot, I, I would say the 49ers kind of dominated this game. Um, it, it, me personally, in terms of Kirk Cousins, I'm I'm not a big believer in Kirk Cousins. I think he definitely has a ceil- a ceiling that doesn't reach that high. I think he is a he is a high floor, but also a low ceiling. So he he's going to be inconsistent, but he'll be inconsistent in a certain range. Like he'll never be Tom Brady, but he'll never be a, a quarterback that's going to get booted out of the the year in uh, the league in one year. So you know I, th- I think he's very limited and i think if the 49ers do want to achieve that next level i mean the the vikings rather do want to achieve that next level in terms of like reaching the super bowl i think they do need somebody better at quarterback or they need a bigger x factor because again like when you look at their roster they're pretty talented from top to bottom if you've ever seen griffin on defense he's he's been great all year um Daniel, i want to say Daniel hunter i can't remember his success, i can't remember his name right now um kendricks Harrison Smith. So that defense is pretty loaded. And then on the offensive side, you had Dalvin Cook was one of the best running backs in the league this year. Uh, you know, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, so good, Kyle Rudolph. So it goes on and on. They have good coaching. They've had Zimmerman for a while now. Their offensive coordinator just got hired by the Browns, which I probably get into later. Yeah. Which is interesting because Pat, if you remember correct, if everyone remembers correctly, the uh, Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings. So it seems that. In my opinion, I don't. It seems like the Vikings' offensive coordinators are pretty good, and, and they're consistently good. Number one, and that might be a result of Mike Zerman being such a good coach, and he, he might help his offensive coordinators. But uh, but you know, just going off of that, the Vikings have really good coaching. They have a good roster from top to bottom. So I think they really need the X factor, and I think the X factor could definitely come in the spot of quarterback. Not having Kirk Cousins, if they really do want to reach that next level, because they've been pretty, they've done pretty well in the playoffs the past couple of years. You know, they've gotten pretty far. But they haven't reached Super Bowl, and I think that might be one of their biggest issues.
1: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree uh, with what you say about Kirk Cousins. However, I think the big difference this playoffs was. Um, I, I think it's this. This playoffs have been so interesting just because we truly don't know who can come out of the AFC or the NFC. I think each game, each team, honestly, has a great chance at winning. There was no. There was no game where I truly felt one team was going to win over the other. Um, the, the one game that I did think was going to be maybe an easy win was, you know, Patriots at Titans, but that blew up in my face. And after that, I pretty much gave up trying to predict any of these games, but I mean, going with the Vikings and the 49ers, um, the big difference I think in all these playoff games is always going to be the running game. I think in, when it comes down to NFL playoffs, you need to be able to run the ball. Um, I think yes, Kirk Cousins didn't play his great, his greatest game, but, Uh, Neither did Jimmy Garoppolo. And the big difference was just being able to control the running game, Um, you know, keep the ball out of the other other team's hands. Dalvin Cook had nine carries, 18 yards, and Tevin Coleman had 22 for 105 with two touchdowns. So, I mean, obviously the running game is huge. I think the 49ers are looking very good. I don't buy into Jimmy Garoppolo yet just because he hasn't shown me anything that truly tells me he's going to be a great quarterback. But, I mean, the fact that – I mean, their scheme of just having – just pound the ball with a fullback I love the fact that they brought back the fullback and if if you need Jimmy Garoppolo can just throw short short passes and you just have your athletic receivers just run down after the catch I mean I think the 49ers have a great chance um, Kirk Cousins played really well this season he played great in the playoffs until he lost um, in terms of I mean in terms of Kevin Stefanski I think I think he's a great offense coordinator. You have a guy like Kirk Cousins, and he threw for, I think it was 3,000 at least yards this season. Um, Dalvin Cook had a crazy year. They're ranked sixth in the league for rushing. I mean, like, the offense was very good. Um, Kirk Cousins did just what he had to do up until he lost in the playoffs. I I think it was a good hire. I'm still kind of upset that they fired Freddie Kitchens. I don't think it's... Fair to bring in a coach for one year and then fire him after you know just just one year of being with the team. I think a head coach, especially the the NFL, has to have some time with his team, Um, especially because they just brought in a bunch of free agents and they've traded for a bunch of players. They have a lot of young talent. A lot of a couple couple people got injured, but I think I think Kevin Stefanski will do them fine this year.
0: I did so. Going back to the Kirk Cousins, and I guess also Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'll start with Kirk Cousins. I think one of the, obviously he started off the season really bad, and the whole he had to apologize to Adam Thielen, and that was a whole big thing. But I think the way he maybe the end of the season wasn't the greatest for him. Obviously, against the Saints, he proved a lot, but the middle portion of the season where he basically helped the Vikings to get all those wins that they did get, he was a main reason for that, and I think that can't go, uh, I guess, not looked at and not taken as important because I think Kirk Cousins proved a lot from that middle portion of the season and also against the Saints that makes him, at least in my eyes, like a pretty viable quarterback for the Vikings. I definitely get the idea that the Vikings are good all around, except maybe for Kirk Cousins, and that could be the issue. But, I mean, they did win wildcard week. They did beat the Saints, which is definitely important to me. And also, um, the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, I definitely agree with you that I don't really, I can't really trust him yet. Um, I think the whole reason that the 49ers were good this season was their running game and also, of course, their defense. And I think that's what take, took them to their 13-3 record and what's also going to make them successful in the playoffs because having a good defense in the playoffs like proves a lot and can get you really far because... Some of the teams now only care about offense, which is definitely important. Okay, next year. Um, so, I mean, everyone was surprised by this game, but the Titans ended up beating the Ravens 26-12. to um, Lamar Jackson continued to struggle in the playoffs. And Derrick Henry continued <laughs> to be a beast in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said before, the big difference is always be the running game. And, you know, King Henry just, you, you can't, I mean, you honestly can't expect to stop him. And, and he had a three-yard pass for a touchdown. So um, I think I think the real difference maker this game was, other than Derrick Henry, of course, um, Ryan Tannehill played great. I mean, he just managed the game exactly how he needed to. When Derrick Henry couldn't pick up the first down, on Ryan Tannehill was there. I mean, like, I, I saw Ryan, I haven't seen him play a lot this year, but watching this game, like, Ryan Tannehill got a lot bigger, probably because he started working out with Derrick Henry, but I I think no matter what, Ryan Tannehill is inherently just very fast, no matter how much he bulks up. He's throwing the ball a lot better. He's reading the defense a lot better. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, a great... He he wanted this year. I think it's one of the best storylines. Him knocking out Brady in the in the wild card round. That I mean that 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 must have been super emotional for him. And he, I mean he he really has a good shot at winning a Super Bowl this year. I think they're the Tennessee Titans are very well coached and all their players are very, very motivated. They know that this is their year. I mean you know Drew Brees is out, Tom Brady's out. They just beat the the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you you real? I mean they 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 only can go up from here and I, I'm looking forward to seeing how far they go in the playoffs.
2: Um, yeah, 100%. I think the Titans, as, as I said last week, that they, you know, with them upsetting the Patriots, I said that was a possibility because they were really hot towards the end of the season and as Richard said, it's, it's largely in part due to their running game. The fact, the Tennessee Titans have put together such a good running game, it, it's been so hard for any team to stop it. Uh, you know, Henry, Henry, he he destroys all seven men, the front seven men, any uh, men uh, in the box. You know they can they'll blitz the right hole and Henry will truck over that person. And so they got to send more guys through. You know keep it pretty simple, and it, it causes defenses to collapse because they play the run. They'll play the run more and they'll play the pass less, and then it opens up Brian Tannehill. So it's like a one-two punch, yeah. and it's really helping them in this postseason. Um, I, I totally agree with everything Richard said on the Titans. So I think I would move on to towards the the Ravens side. I think it was pretty interesting to see how the Ravens kind of unfolded throughout that game. Um, you know, people are saying this is kind of the end of Lamar Jackson. He, I I don't know. From what I'm seeing on the media, social media, that it's kind of like he just had this year's run. I, I think, and that's going to be it, I think he's actually progressed a lot this year. I think John Harbaugh, you know, he, Harbaugh, he's done a great job with Lamar Jackson, and I think he's made a lot of progress. But I think this game also shows him how far he still has to go. I think if you look at the game, and we're just talking about Lamar Jackson, right? I think the defense was lackluster today for the Ravens, and they just they weren't the same team. It seems like as if they weren't prepared for what was coming today. And again, it is largely in part with how hot the Titans are doing. But uh, beyond that, you know, sticking to Lamar Jackson, I think he reverted a lot to what his instincts were. You know, throughout his high school and college years, he he stopped making good reads, and he would run the football, and he'd throw Aaron throws you know, running back to a lot of his instincts. And I think, you know, that's that's going to be the key here, right? John Harbaugh can put together a really good game plan, but the game plan is not always going to work. So what you have to do is you have to coach Lamar into the fact that when the game plan doesn't work, you have to stick to what we teach you. You have to change his instincts, change what his go-tos are when when the game plan doesn't work. You know, you got to teach him, okay, you should throw the ball away here, you know. He wasn't bad with it. He was definitely better than he was last year when he had to go back to his instincts. But again, as I said, I still think he has some work to do, and I don't think we've seen the best of Lamar Jackson yet, and he had a great year this year. Mm-hmm. So I think if, if the Ravens can retain a lot of the talent they did this year, which I'm not sure who isn't, who isn't under contract going into next year, I think you have a really good team there, and they could easily be 14-2, and two, if not better, again next year.
1: Yeah. I think Lamar Jackson – oh, no, sorry.
0: No,
2: no, no. I think uh,
1: – I mean, just watching Lamar Jackson play that game, um, there were a lot of times where I just kind of wanted to scream at him just – run the damn ball like you you have a pocket. I think I think he was trying to prove himself as a passer and he he, he pa- passed the well fine. Mm-hmm. I think the two interceptions is just kind of a uh just rookie mistakes that he didn't get just cuz he didn't play all of last season, but um watching him all this season, he's so athletic. He um like I mean, I I can't believe people are asking this guy to play wide receiver. Those people should be ashamed of themselves cuz he was making some great throws. Um, there were a couple windows that he saw that I was very impressed with, but he just missed it just because he didn't know how to how to put that final touch on the ball. But I, I think that that's just comes with experience and uh, give him one more offseason. Hopefully he doesn't slump. Hopefully he stays healthy. I think, I think he could be one of the I, – I think he's part of the next new wave of young talent coming in. He, he's going to be great.
0: Yes. Um, a couple of things. First off, obviously the big takeaway from this game is like – does Lamar Jack- Can Lamar Jackson actually play in the playoffs? Obviously, last season, how it ended against the Colts was terrible. And the big talking point was, obviously, Lamar Jackson has, a, has had a great season this year. And is he going to be able to do it in the playoffs? And obviously, he didn't, which I think definitely puts a mark. Well, I guess this is more of a question for you guys. But how much, of this, how much does this loss affect um, his pedigree for the season and what he's been able to do?
1: I think he's used to playing with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, um, like I said before, anyone who's asked him to come in and play wide receivers should honestly be should quit their jobs right now. But um like he he knows he he needs to prove everyone wrong. Um even even though he's had a great season, like I know he, he definitely wants a Super Bowl at some point in his career like every other quarterback but more than anyone I think Lamar really wants to prove to everyone that he, he can be a franchise quarterback and he could be the guy to
2: take your team to a Super Bowl and win it mm-hmm. I definitely agree with Richard I also think that, like you know going to more of the point where you said Brian where it's like doesn't put a mark on his season I'd say absolutely not you got to remember he still is a second year quarterback and he brought even he, he was a large part of the reason the Ravens went 14 and 2 if you can get a consi- if you can get a consistent Lamar Jackson, that again, if you can get him to perform in the playoffs like he did in the regular season in terms of how consistent he was, I think that you're you're going to have a franchise quarterback there. Yeah. Um, you know, before I before I move off of that, I also wanted to point out the fact that you know, going off of Richard said, and, and he was throwing the ball a lot, he had some, somewhat almost sixty throws in that game, which is just yeah, 60 it's, throws. It's, it's it's unlike Lamar Jackson to do that, so. I know I, I don't know where the sixty throws was coming from. Was it Lamar Jackson wanting that? I, I'd assume it's more John Harbaugh trying to force throws, and that's just not Lamar Jackson, right? I, I still think again like, he made really good progress throwing the ball this year. But at the end of the day, he still he still is a I would say a run force quarterback. Like if you can run the ball, Lamar Jackson, you should. And if you're going to throw the ball sixty a, a times in a game with him, you're you're not going to win because you're just the big X factor that you had all year was Lamar Jackson's ability to run combined with his improved ability to throw. If you take the run, you're not going to win football games in the way that you were, obviously. So I, I think that was a big part of the loss. But again, like just just reiterating what I said, I do think that this isn't this isn't the best this isn't the best Lamar Jackson we're going to see. And if he if he's make improvements and he continues to stay consistent, this Ravens team will win a Super Bowl within the near future.
0: Yeah. Um, on the Titans side, I guess. I mean, you guys kind of spoke to it, but I think a major thing that can catapult them, or evidence that they can actually win a Super Bowl this year is that both the Patriots and the Ravens couldn't stop their main weapon, which is Derrick Henry. Um, Derrick Henry? Yeah, Bill Belichick's big thing in the playoffs, and people were talking about, it, is that he's able to take out the team's biggest threat, and he couldn't take out Derrick Henry. And you think once Bill Belichick couldn't do it, maybe John Harbaugh would figure it out. He didn't figure it out. So going into the rest of the playoffs, it, it's going to be interesting to see if anyone can figure it out, and I don't really think they're going to be able to, so I think that could make for a weird, I did not expect them to be able to make the Super Bowl, but I think they could. Okay. I think
1: Derrick Henry, oh.
0: No, go. Yeah, If I can put in
1: one one last thing, I think Derrick Henry is the best like pure downhill runner we've seen in a very long time. Like, we haven't seen a lot of players coming out of college who just want to carry the ball and run, you know? Like, you see a lot of Christian McCaffrey's, Phillip Lindsay's, um, even, even you know, Zeke, Todd Gurley, they're, they're catching out of the backfield. But Derrick Henry's just, you know, pound the ball for a second, third down, maybe pick up 3 3 yards each play. It's no big deal. And um he it's it's just one of those game plans where you don't even need a great quarterback. They have a well-coached defense and if you just keep giving Derrick Henry the ball, eventually he's just going to break out for those long runs that he's been doing all season. And so even if you have to give it to, I mean they they gave it to him 30 times that game, he almost got 200 yards. Um, he didn't even have to score. But I mean, eventually, especially someone that big, that athletic, he's just in his prime. I, I don't think anyone can tackle. Like, one on one, no one can bring down Derrick Henry. And throughout the course of a game, it's going to be, it's just going to get harder and harder for that defense to stop him. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I agree there. What you, I, Eddie, um, sorry, not Eddie. Uh, Derrick Henry reminds me a lot of Eddie George, actually. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a 6'3 running back, pure downhill runner. To truck over anybody, famous play he Chucked over Ray Lewis, played for the Tennessee Titans, you know, it, it, it's a lot of reminiscence of Eddie George. So I think Derrick Henry, he's definitely progressed since coming to the league and he's always you know he's always been in the line of like really good to, to average and I think he's he's really coming into to his spot here. I think that Mike Brable has done a really good job this year in terms of using what he's had. Sure. Um so I think a lot of the credit goes to him.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess we'll go into the next game, which was Packers-Seahawks. It just ended. We're waiting for the game to end to start the podcast. Um, the Seahawks made it close at the end, but the Packers ended up out beating, ended up beating the uh, Seahawks 28-3. to I mean, 28-23. Um, yeah, you guys can go.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound very repetitive, but all of these games, it comes down to the running game. Um, the Packers' best rusher was Aaron Jones with 62 yards, and... The Seahawks' best rusher was Russell Wilson for 64. But I mean, you you need your running back to play well. Marshawn had 12 carries for 26 yards. He did have two touchdowns, but you do need to have 20 more than 26 yards to win a playoff game. The quarterback play was pretty even. It, I I really truly think it came down to the to the run game. If I feel like if Seattle could have controlled the ball a little more um, on offense, they definitely could have just ran over the. Green Bay Packers it's just really unfortunate with their injuries to their running backs this year. but I mean Russell Wilson is still the best team in the NFL in my opinion. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still a bad man. Um, late in this, late in the fourth to 222 something left. he had that perfect throw to Devonte Adams which set up the controversial Jimmy Graham first down or f- fourth and inches and I mean they, they just they just won the game should have
2: been a fourth in inches <laughs> in my opinion yeah I, I agree richard if you go look and look, we just talked about this before we hopped on <laughs> if you look at that replay um I'll, I'll get into what i think about the game in a minute but if you look at that replay it it, it was very unclear until the, and they said they didn't have the camera angles until they showed the perfect am- camera angle on tv that showed that he was short so and then they said they had additional footage and it didn't change anything and stuff like this gets me to thing you know along with the play last week with was was the, I guess it was the Saints versus Vikings, and the the push off in the end zone where they, Troy the, Aikman literally s- immediately said after the play was play was dealt over that they weren't going to review it, and apparently they said they reviewed it and they said there was no push off, and I think there clearly was a push off. At minimum, you have to review it It take some time, you know, during game to review it, and it I just it's this ambiguity that that really turns off fans, and you you got to be a lot clearer about what you're reviewing, I think, to the viewers. I don't like that they, you know, they show a camera angle on there that that absolutely looks like he was short. And I think anybody being objective would, show, even from the different camera angles, it still like he looked like he was short. And I think that last camera angle they showed, I'm assuming by accident because they didn't want you to know that it, was, it existed that he was short. So, I, you know, I don't like the ambiguity, ambiguity, and I would like the NFL to be a lot clearer about what you know what they're doing with the refs and, and the reviewing in the future. Um so going off of that I just wanted to say that as Richard said like it came down to the running game and the Seattle Seahawks like the entire year you know whether it's the injury I also think the Seattle Seahawks have a really weak offensive line and that and that's the reason that you see Russell Wilson's rushing yards you go off to 64 yards because he was scrambling so much um, but they, they've never established a running game you know they signed Marshawn Lynch and, that, and the media kind of hyped him up but when you look at his numbers I don't know I think he signed just for the, the season if you look at his numbers, he he wasn't productive at all. He he runs balls in from the one or two yard line. And subjective, I'd say it's subjective whether you think whether you think they needed Marshawn Lynch to run in from the two yard line or not. But you know, from first to third down in a normal you know outside of the red zone, Marshawn Lynch was not good. During his, his tenure with the his his tenure this time with the Seahawks last week he had I think it was six carries for seven yards and like a touchdown which is a touchdown again they handed it to him on the one yard line he just ran it in and I think the same his two touchdowns today were like one or two yard rushes again and he had twelve carries for twenty six yards it's, it's about two point two yards a carry which isn't terrible but I, it's that's not a run a run game that's going to win you a Super Bowl so I think that's really what the downfall of the C, the Seahawks was this year. Yeah, I mean they they
1: they just they, their scheme goes around their run game, and they they just lost. I think what their their top three running backs to mm. IR. Mm. I mean that that was just really unfortunate. They 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 could have been going somewhere very big this year, especially with how Russell Wilson's playing. Mm. Um, and and it would have been fun to see them play either the forty. I mean the forty nine ers at some point with Richard Sherman or the Ravens with Earl Thomas. But I mean those just dead stories now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about playoff-wise?
1: Uh, ooh, the Chiefs and the Texans. Oh, yeah,
0: whoa, sorry. I completely missed that one. (laughs) Okay, so, um, the Chiefs actually made history today being the first team to win a playoff game after being down 20 points, ended up beating the Texans 51-31, um, yeah, you can go.
1: I mean, the first two quarters of the game was purely special teams, um, or at least, inter- yeah. I mean, special teams made huge differences early, and p- r- props to Kansas City for you know staying in the game. Uh, like it's it's tough. I was I was actually texting my friend um, as soon as the Texans went up twenty-one nothing. I said in Madden, usually if you get twenty-one nothing in the first quarter, it's like a mercy rule. You offer you offer the losing team a free forfeit, but. Uh-huh. but you know that they, they stuck they stuck with it um i think Troy Aikman said it best in the uh when he was casting for the packers game he said um it was a blowout one way and then a comeback and then a blowout in the other way so i mean patrick mahomes played great um i'm i'm really upset i didn't have uh travis Kelsey on my fantasy team this year someone picked him right before me but i mean ha- easy hat trick for him um i mean it's hard they had they have a great receiving receiving group um they they, you have to yeah you either have to double Tyreek or Travis or both but it just leaves it leaves everyone else open so um Patrick Mahomes is playing out of his mind five touchdowns is crazy um yeah I mean Patrick Mahomes I think can be potentially the greatest one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time the way he's playing um as long as he can stay healthy I think this this kid is gonna be for real and I mean let's see what he does this year I, I think just because of how he plays, I, I don't want to count him out in the playoffs. You, you honestly can't. But let's see how he does against the Titans the championship game.
2: Mm, I, I totally agree. Like, Patrick Mahomes, he's rumored that he might sign a contract for $40 million a year this offseason. I think he's pretty much as a—he's earned it at this point. You know, you, you have a QBR of 145 a, against a playoff, in the playoffs. That's incredible. Five touchdowns, zero interceptions. It was, it was a track lead out there for him in the second half. And playing from behind. Mm-hmm, playing from behind as well. So, you know, you can't you not Patrick Mahomes there. I think it's interesting when you look at the Chiefs in this game, is that when you look at the Chiefs' rushing game, it wasn't that good. They had Damien Williams, their top rusher behind, besides Patrick Mahomes, which they don't really design running plays, Patrick Mahomes, especially with his injury this year. So those 53 yards were from scrambling. So if you look at their design rushing, their top rusher had 47 yards, which is not a lot. But yet they passed a ton. Um I think, you know, if you look at Travis Kelsey, 10 receptions for 134 yards, three touchdowns. I think that this is really, when you're looking at this in terms of their offense, you're looking at Andy Reid and his ability to really scheme up an offense with, with what they have. Um, you know, Travis Kelsey, really versatile player, can block well, can also be a great receiver. is a mismatch almost against anybody. And I, I think that Andy Reid knows how to take advantage of that. And that's why you see Travis Kelsey having, having so many yards and so many touchdowns.
1: And but, in, He had a couple pass interference calls that were huge, just because he's a great route runner.
2: So I think that Andy Reid getting Travis Kelsey involved versus maybe like Tyreek Hill, I guess. Because Ty- Tyreek, Tyreek Hill, great during the regular season, but maybe not as useful during the, the postseason. I, I just think of somebody like Brandon Cooks for the Patriots in the playoffs. He, he, he wasn't that great for them, even though he was kind of that speedy burner receiver that the, the Chiefs used Tyreek Hill as. Um so I think that's kind of interesting. And on the Texans' side, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of upset to see uh, DeAndre Hopkins lose. I feel like this Texans team is never really going to get there. I don't know what the issue is. There's actually a video that just came out. I, and I feel bad for DeAndre Hopkins because his mom, I don't know if people don't know, his mom got acid attack and she's blind. So I'd like to see him win a championship at some point for her. But go, going beyond that, um, I, I just think that – I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a video that came out that – as the Texans were leaving the stadium, somebody screamed at Bill O'Brien that the Texans suck, and, and Bill O'Brien responds like, F-U-M-F, something along those lines. And it's just like, you can't be yelling that at the fans. Obviously, they're upset because you, you guys lost. I don't I don't know if Bill O'Brien's really the right coach. I mean, yeah, they lost a good amount of talent, but they also got it back. They still have J.J. Watt, and their defense isn't terrible. Um, I think they've they've had the talent to win games, and they just really haven't. It makes me question whether Bill O'Brien's the the answer in for Houston. Breaks my
1: heart to see JJ out. I I, I mean, he was finally healthy in the playoffs. I I thought, and their receiving core was healthy too. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I I I was really hoping the Texans could come away with that. That would have been huge against the Chiefs too. But, I mean, yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. It was a good, good, well played by the Chiefs. Well played by the Texans. Unfortunately, they kind of choked at the end. But yeah, I, th- I mean, I think Kansas City is actually the better team to play against Tennessee, though, just because um the, their ability to just yeah, even if you score on their defense, they can come right back and score on you. And so the pressure's on. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Tennessee and Kansas City is just going to be a total shootout. But I guess we'll see. Well, or I I'll guess just... not a shootout. Patrick Mahomes shooting out and Derrick Henry just running straight downhill. Huh. Back and forth.
0: Um I guess that's a perfect transition to predictions for next week. Who wants to go first?
1: Um, I'll go first. I okay, mean th- between the two. <laughs> <laughs> um between the two. Uh I honestly will have to go with the Titans just because the run game if just because they have Derrick Henry, um, even though the Chiefs can score on command more or less, I think um they the the team like the titans are just very well coached and you can just keep the ball away from Kansas City and if we get one or two stops that defense is just going to be so tired they're not going to be able to stop Derrick Henry he's going to break out for those you know 80 60 yard runs um and in the nf from the nfc i mean um i think i think um i think the run game for the 49ers is great but hopefully Aaron Jones will show up um Aaron Rodgers can always just he, he can still throw the ball perfectly down the field as we saw today. So um, definitely definitely hard predictions for both games, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to pick the Titans from the AFC and the Packers from the NFC.
2: Hmm. Uh, yeah, so going for my picks, I'm probably going to pick the Chiefs over the Titans. Mm-hmm. I think that Steve Zagnola has done really well with his defense this year, and the personality he has. I wouldn't be surprised if in this game that Terrell Suggs has a really big impact. He's, he's a veteran. He, he knows how to stop the run. That's That's been his, his uh, bread and butter throughout his entire career. So I think that he might be the next factor to look at in this game. And as you said, the Chiefs offense can score at will. So if you can find a way to stop to, to stop Derrick Henry in the slightest, I think the Chiefs can win this game, and I think they'll pull it out in a really high-scoring game. Um, and then on the other side, I'm probably – this game this game might be even tougher for me because 49ers and Packers... I'm probably going to go with the 49ers. I think that the 49ers have a, have a more rounded team. Um, I think that... Again, I think Aaron Jones has been good for the Packers, but their wide receiver core in terms of the Packers has not been that great. They've had Devontae Adams, and something happens to Devontae Adams. Their whole passing game is almost depleted. And then on the defensive side, beyond the D- Darius Smith for the Packers, again, I think they're kind of... Their defense has been average to so a little bit above average, and I think Zedarius Smith has really carried that defense pretty well. He's been really good this year for them. So, I, I don't know. I feel like the 49ers have more talent. It's going to be a close game, but I'm going to pick with the 49ers just because they're a little bit more well-rounded. All right. I think, um, oh,
1: I think, oh, just, just to go off what you said, um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Titans, I honestly think it could go either way. I only pick the Titans just because, you know, Derek King-Henry. I don't want to sleep on King-Henry. But when it comes to the Packers, uh, I just wanted to say I have to disagree with you just because I think that defense, as long as they can stop the run with the fullback and force Jimmy Garoppolo, because as long as you force Jimmy Garoppolo to be the one to beat you, instead of that run game and you t- you you can take away their run game between Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Garoppolo I will take Aaron Rodgers any day just because I haven't seen anything like I said before I haven't seen enough out of Jimmy Garoppolo I think I think all week they should just be talking about how can we stop the run and force Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball I think if if they can do that it should be a good it, it should be an easy win for the Packers hmm.
0: um Nick, do you have a response to that uh, debate that Richard just gave you? I
2: think he totally has a point. I think this might be the year that Garoppolo steps up. The forty nine ers are thirteen and three. He's battled injury. They've been good in the past. I think that he he I think he's getting to. I totally understand you. You say that he hasn't shown us enough because again he's been injured. He hasn't been consistent enough to really show us whether he's a good quarterback or not on a consistent basis. But I think I think this year might be the year that he steps up. And to me, it only makes sense because we got every year we got to have a little bit of the Patriots in the playoffs. so you know, <laughs> might be in there. And <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's definitely going to be a close game. I, I can say that.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: to Kyle Shanahan. I mean, better look after Kyle Shanahan.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay, I'll give my predictions. So, um, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna ride the wave with the Titans wave. I'm gonna say the Titans are gonna beat out the Chiefs. In all honesty, the Chiefs have more talent than the Titans, but the Titans just have so much momentum going for them. Um, And I think that holds a lot of weight in the playoffs. 49ers Packers. uh, I really like that. Obviously, the defense is huge for the 49ers, but then the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. I think I'm going to... This is a tough one. This is okay. t- that was a tough one. This is NFL
1: one. 100. It's the best season
0: ever. <laughs> you you like with, It's with hard the Chiefs, predict any of these games. With the Chiefs and Titans game,
2: it's either like you're going to take the consistent good with with all the talent, right. where you're going to ride the, the wave of Derrick Henry and how hot Derrick the Titans Green. are. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's more of an easier choice in that terms. But the Forty and the Packers, like throughout this playoffs, have kind of been out of the media spotlight, mm-hmm. and they have both been consistently good teams throughout the year. So it's just it's a really tough one.
0: I think I'm going to pick the. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Um, to be honest, I don't really have an explanation for it because it's, it's a tough choice, but I think Aaron Rodgers is just so good that I have to pick him.
1: And they're going to be, I believe they're going to be at San Francisco, so they should have pretty um, nice weather. Jay, Aaron Rodgers can just sling that as, as much as he wants. No wind, no January, cold air, <laughs> and dream Bay. It's going to be perfect. Perfect, perfect conditions, hopefully.
0: Alright, so I guess that's it for the playoff rundown. Um... There's some Giants news to talk about. Um, I we'll uh, let Nick take that.
2: Okay, so Giants news is here. The Giants have their head coach as well as their defensive co- coordinator, who I don't know the name of. They, I want to say they signed him just a couple hours ago. Um, so starting off with the head coach for the Giants, the Giants have selected Joe Judge. Um, he was the special teams uh, coach, as well as the wide receiver coach for the New England Patriots, has not had much head coaching experience um, so far in his career. If I don't think he has any at all, I think he may have been high school, but high school isn't really comparable to the NFL. Um, so, going off of what he has, he, ha- he yeah, he's when you look at his resume, he's coached under uh, Nick Saban and he's coached under uh, Bill Belichick. So he has he's had a lot of great minds behind him. And then I think so. You look at what he can do in X in terms of X's and O's. I don't think he, he again, he's never head coach. So I can't really tell you what he can and what he can't do. But I can tell you this. He's going to, he's going to be big. And he, he said it in his speeches. If you guys want to go watch them, he's going to be big on fundamentals. Fundamentals are going to be key to his team. And he's going to, he's going to want to run the football. He's going to want his players to play tough. So he wants the players, you know, I, I, I actually met Mike Singletary yesterday and I, I always remember this quote from him. And I think that Joe Judge kind of follows this. Sort of, sort of pattern. Um, so, Mike Singletary, um, he said it. I want to believe he said it in one of his, his football life documentary. He said that the way he lived life and the way he played football was that he, he's going to do everything he can to do to do the right thing, and everything else will fall in place. And I think that's that's what Joe Judge is essentially trying to do here. He, he doesn't really know, you know, he hasn't really revealed what his specific plans are with the team, but he he really wants to make sure that they follow the fundamentals. They play tough. They give a hundred percent every time they're out on that field, and everything else will fall in place. Um, so I, I have I have high hopes for for Joe Judge. He seems like he has a lot of passion, but I'm not going to hand the towel and see he's the guy yet. Because at the same time, you know, passion doesn't always equal results, and this is a results oriented league, as many say. And if, if it doesn't add to add up to wins on the win column, then all that passion really doesn't mean jack. Because your team, if your team doesn't pick up the passion that you have and start winning games, then it really doesn't matter. Um, so going beyond that, he I'm sure he had a big influence in this. Um, so the Giants, they hired a the defensive coordinator today a couple hours ago. Uh, Patrick Graham, who was the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins last season. And although the Miami Dolphins did really bad last season, I think it became really apparent down the stretch that the coaching wasn't that bad. I think it was the lack of talent that really hurt the Miami Dolphins. So I think that he could be a good defensive coordinator. Um, we'll just have to see. I'm not overly excited because I kind of wanted the Giants to pick people that I would say we're a little more proven. This is this is like two picks that are, you know, in terms of coach, defensive coordinator, that I would say are a lot pretty much unproven at both positions. Because um, I, I feel like Patrick Graham, he, he was decent for the Dolphins this year, but we really don't know how he's going to do with maybe a team with more talent on it, which I hope the Giants have a little more talent going into the next season. So we'll have to see what they do. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic or I'm optimistic. I'm just, I'm saying how it is. I, I, I'm a little bit excited because of the passion, but we'll have to see where the Giants go.
1: Yeah, I mean, for the next couple of million minutes, I will not be speaking as a Cowboys fan. But I actually do really like the hiring of Joe Judge. I think it was it was an interesting move. Um, I believe he was the special teams coach at some point. And uh, with just his, his resume and who he's coached under, um, I mean, he, he really reminds me of, I don't want to get anyone's hopes too high, but he does remind me a little of just Bill Belichick in the sense that he was coaching under these great coaches. He started out from special teams, and he's just focusing on the fundamentals, play tough, do your job. Um, I I really like also, um, I think it's a perfect fit in the NFC East specifically, just because historically it's been a very, very physical division, uh, very volatile. I mean, you you got guys like Saquon, Zeke, and all these great linebackers in on in Philadelphia. The, yeah, I mean, Philadelphia's front seven. You got Dallas's front seven. Um, I, ho- hopefully, the Giants will get better, so I'll, I'll have more fun watching those games this year. But um, yeah, um, I think it was a great hire. Hopefully, hopefully they can accomplish big things and. Um, the only the only thing that made me question him was him wanting to interview Jason Garrett for any any position on the team. But other other than that, um, I mean, good best best of luck to the Giants. I, I I like the hire
2: though. Thank you. And also going off to Jason <laughs> Garrett, I do question what is Jason Garrett's abilities without um, Jerry Jones hovering over him. Does he have more of a creative mind, and Jerry Jones is holding him back? Like. How much truth is there to that? And I think the only way to be find out would really be to hire him. Um, if he's if he's at a coordinator spot, and I don't know how good he is with the X's and O's personally, but if he if he knows his X's and O's and, and you know, the Giants decide that he, he's a good spot, good fit for the spot, I don't mind if they were to hire him an offensive coordinator, not head coach, though, because I don't think he's the right head coach for the Giants. But an offensive coordinator, I wouldn't mind too much. All right.
0: Um... I don't really have much to say. I do think that Joe Judge might turn out to be a good hire, but I do feel like the there are better options that the Giants got screwed out of, like um, Ron Rivera. My rule. Yeah. My rule. Too. Yeah, man. I
2: was rule. hoping, like, as I said last week, I was hoping to get my rule because he's turned Temple around and then he turned Baylor around. So I think he has, I think he's proved himself to be a very formidable head coach in terms of the college level. So. I think him taking a step up to the NFL level would be pretty pretty exciting, and I was hoping. I, I think the Panthers got themselves a good head coach, but at the same time, I also feel like they paid him way too much. Okay. To give him a seven-year, 70 million contract, oh, right. or whatever yeah. the numbers came out to him, it was, it was too much money. So it, it, I don't think the Giants should have gave him that contract, but if the Giants could have got him on a lot shorter contract, I think I, I, I would have liked to see them hire him a, outside of Joe Judge. I think
1: that money was the only reason he went to Carolina, because mm. I, I honestly don't see... Um, any potential in Carolina anytime soon. I mean, ho- hopefully he'll prove me wrong, but I-, I, th- I think that team's got some issues to work out, especially at the quarterback
2: position. I don't trust Cam Newton. Yeah, and there's, there's no there's no saying whether they're going to go back to Cam Newton or not. It's very undisclosed at this point. Yeah, I think Cam Newton, he, he's, he's too inconsistent. I feel like he's MVP one year and then he's awful the next year and he's injury riddled. So And he's taking too many hard hits because he likes to run the football too much. So, yeah, I would definitely agree with you. That that team has – right now has no identity. And Maverick would have to fix that.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess just before we get off of NFL, just kind of like an update. Pat Shermer was um, – is set to become the offensive coordinator for the Broncos. Um, there's probably not much to talk about that there, but just more of an update. I don't know if you guys have anything –
2: I mean, um, not much. Yeah. All right, yeah, I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just give a little two cents on it. As I said in my past, was the last week's podcast, the one before that, that I thought he would get hired again. I also said it on the POV that I thought he wouldn't would get hired again as offensive coordinator. Uh, he was very successful with the Vikings. He seems like he's good with the X's and O's. So I think this could be really good for Drew Locke. I think that if we're looking at the Broncos and the fact that they do have Pat Sherman as their offensive coordinator – I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos take a huge step forward next year, in terms of, the, especially their offense. Drew, Drew Locke, if he keeps working in the offseason, and he, he's a budding star, it seems like right now, um, he, he definitely has to make a lot of strides to consider a star. But um, I think this would be a really good hire for him and the, the offense. So I think the, the Broncos got themselves a good one there.
1: I don't think he was a horrible coach. Um, I think he definitely could have done better with definitely having Saquon in the backfield. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I, I remember this year the Giants the Giants weren't horrible in the sense that I, I saw some flashes every now and again, um especially just because but but that that just could have been based on them having some talent but um I mean he da- Daniel Jones played well um how much of that is on Daniel Jones versus how much of that is on Pat Shermer uh, I guess we'll see but um if if it if it was if it was Pat Shermer's system then hopefully he can go to the Broncos who also do not have the greatest quarterback situation, and hopefully he can turn things around there.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I guess we'll get into the NBA. Um, Nick attended a Nets game on Friday, so very exciting. He wants to talk about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I got like pretty close to the court side tickets for the Nets game, and I don't. I just wanted to point out that I was kind of watching KD and Kyrie on the sideline, and every time they call timeout, and I think this just is. I'm going to address like. Kind of a stigma that's in the media, and I think there's actually some truth to it. So every so every time they called timeout, right, the entire Nets bench and and the team that was on the court. They they huddle up, and Katie would get in the huddle every single time. However, Kyrie wouldn't most of the time. He'd he'd stand up to the side or keep the to sit on the bench. Uh, he didn't seem to talk to many very a lot of players on the team where Katie talked to almost everybody. Although Katie and Kyrie did talk a lot, and I just think it's interesting because the media always points out that Kyrie's kind of a diva, and I. I, I I don't know. Just watching from my, I was pretty close to them. I do, I do see some truth in that in the way that they acted. So I thought that was that was like a big takeaway for what I wanted to see. And also another thing that, that I wanted to point out the fact that I was so close to the court is that this the court is so damn small because the <laughs> players are so big. Like it looks so much bigger on TV. Like <laughs> um, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Good you could run across. They could run across that court in three, like from from uh, east to west, like three steps. It's incredible.
0: <laughs> they got some long legs too.
2: Yeah, they're they're very big people. So that, that that's my little um, little take. And also, going off of KD, I forget who reported this, but apparently KD is out for the entire year. They've kind of, the Nets, somebody inside around the Nets kind of ruled him out for the entire year, so it doesn't look like he's going to come back.
0: Yeah. I guess from there, Kyra Irving made his return, I think it was tonight or yesterday. One of those two. Um, and they played the Hawks, it was an easy win for them. Kyrie played, well, I think he had 21 points. Nothing great, but he was coming off two months being out because they had a shoulder injury, I think it was. Um, but the Nets are 18-20, and 20, and I'm sure a large part of that is that they didn't have Kyrie Irving. But like Nick said, um, something's going on with the Nets. At least in my eyes, Kyrie Irving seems to not be happy I don't know if that's his injury, playing a large part of that, but, I mean, you keep on hearing little uh, tidbits about players not being he- happy, Kyrie Irving not being happy, and there's... Uh, it's not all pretty on the Nets' side, which I'm kind of excited about because <laughs> the Knicks were supposed to have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, so... If the Knicks okay. want to struggle, I'm good with that.
2: And going off of that, when I was at the game... I, I want to tell you that there, there was a lot of Miami Heat fans there. The, the the Miami Heat chants were ten times as loud as any of the Nets chants, yeah. and it was consistent. Like almost every time the, the Miami Heat had a free throw, you'd hear Heat chants and not Nets chants. Which was just, it's crazy to me. It seems like I don't know. For, in terms of Kyrie, I just I feel like he's not going to be happy until he gets the perfect situation. He wants yeah. to be number one. He wants to be the primary player in the team. He wants to be the lone superstar. But I think he also realized this offseason that I can't do it by myself. I'm not good enough. He's very good, but he's not good enough to win a championship on his own. So that's why he paired up with KD, a friend of his. But I just think he wants to be the lone superstar on a team. He does want to be in a big media market, which I think he might have preferred the Knicks if if that they were a better team. Sure. He wants to have like the right coaching set up and the right fans. Like he wants, I can't really tell tell you what he wants in terms of fans and his coaching setup, but I can just tell you, you know. But we do know on the surface that he wants to be in a big in a big media, he wants to be somewhere the media is big, and he wants to be the lone superstar on a championship-level team, which it just doesn't seem like that's going to happen, so it just seems like he's never going to be happy.
0: I don't want to crap on the Nets, but, I mean, <laughs> the Knicks did play the Heat uh, yesterday, and a big thing that happened was, obviously the Knicks are a bad team, but they started to make a comeback in the fourth quarter, and the stadium was... I wait is it called the stadium and whatever the garden, I guess it's the garden. The garden um, was like so loud. um, And like, I still don't understand why Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant didn't go to the Knicks. I mean, I get there's a lot of dysfunction with the Knicks, but the fans like going to Knicks games are probably my favorite types of games to go to as a sports fan, because they get so into it, and if any little thing happens, like, it is so crazy, and, I haven't been to the Knicks game in a while, but, I should go to one.
2: Yeah, I I also agree, I agree with you there, Brian, like, I go to the Villanova games, and honestly, I enjoy the Villanova games more than I enjoy that Nets game, like, the Nets, the Nets fans, that, you could hear a pin drop in that, in that, in the Barclays, until the fourth quarter was, I think it was like, 89-89 going into the fourth quarter, so the crowd got loud, go figure, but you know, up until that point, you could almost hear a pin drop. You could, hear, you could hear the basketball bouncing on the court. So it's just, it's very quiet. In terms of, like, Villanova games, you know, every time we score is extremely loud chants. You know, we're always into the game. So it's, just, it's like a different different atmosphere. And it's like, I could pay so much less money and have, worse, have so much worse seats. But cool. the, the atmosphere in the game, within the arena, just makes, like, so much of a difference. And I feel like the Nets don't have that where the Knicks do.
0: So <laughs> basically what we're trying to say is that Nets fans suck. <laughs> um. I, I couldn't tell
2: you what it is, but I'm, I'm just I'm I'm not really a Nets or a Knicks fan. I'm just I'm just calling out the observations that I did take take did take partake in uh, observing.
0: Yeah,
1: you know it's interesting. I went to I went to two Raptors games last year, one at the Garden, one in Brooklyn, oh. and um, I love watching basketball at the Garden just because you know, like the Knicks fans are hardcore. So like if, if if you're doing well, they will cheer for you. If you are not, they will boo their own team. They do not care at all.
0: Yeah. But
1: when I was in Brooklyn, it was actually a very close game and I, I saw I saw the Brooklyn fans come alive. That that was actually a very cool experience. Hopefully we'll see that again at some point, but um yeah, I mean I I think that whole Kevin Durant injury is is really suspicious. I think it's it's a big part of why his relationship with the Warriors were also kind of deteriorating at the end um i i still f- don't feel like we truly know what the injury was the original the initial injury um i feel like there was a lot of stuff that was getting hidden and yeah. i was really looking forward to katie maybe coming back this year but uh i yeah i, I just didn't see it coming or I, I i saw this coming with him not returning this year just because yeah i mean his legs are also very very skinny <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he's got some work to do in the gym yeah. but yeah <laughs> next season We'll
0: see what happens yeah um i guess we'll get into some trade rumors um andre drummond and the knicks have been a major thing going around the media i mean the pistons have put andre drummond on the block and um are trying to trade him i saw that the pistons initiated talks with the knicks to trade julius randall and frank Ntilikina for andre drummond i don't do you, are you do you guys know what drummond's contract is right now I do not. I'm just going to so, because but if
2: I was I was good. a Knicks just to fill time if you want to look that up. I, if I was a Knicks, I would not trade for Andre Drummond. I don't understand how he improves a team at all. The Knicks are so dysfunctional. There's the Knicks need to realize number 1. I don't think James Dolan is a good owner, so I'd start there. You know. Him. I, but you know but, go, but going on beyond that, I think the Knicks need to realize. Okay, number one, when we should, there's no way we can take a shortcut. We've been so bad for so long. We need to do this the right way, the right and way, and not not take not take chances on a shortcut like ch- trading away some of your young talent. Because right now, Kina, you know, I've always hated on him. I never thought he's been good, but he's done pretty good this year. So I'm, I'm a fan. I, I
1: I remember his rookie year. He got up in LeBron's face one time, and he locked up Harden, and even even Harden was chuckling. I saw those two plays, and ever since then, I've, I've been keeping my eye on Nikola. But
2: didn't mean to cut you off. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so, like, and, and he's performed well this year. So it just seems like any talent that the Knicks seem to accumulate, they're willing to trade it away because they have trade value. It's just not the right way to go about things. If the Knicks were going to trade anybody that had trade value, it has to be Marcus Morris, right? Trade, your, trade away your. I think it's pretty obvious at this point. Trade away your old guys for either draft picks or some young talent and then play the young talent. You know, it's as simple as that. And Andre Drummond, you know, he's not that old, but I don't think he's as young as the the, the Knicks need right now. You know, the yeah. Knicks need to go very young and really build a team and find the right coach, which Miller hasn't been terrible this year. You know, Drummond twenty six, not bad, but I think they can they they can do better than than then trade for Drummond. I think if you start from scratch and not trade away young talent... You know, if they were to just sign Drummond, I wouldn't think it would be bad. I think he's young enough to sign. But to trade away some of your younger talent to get him, I don't think it's the right move.
0: It's a key point that you made um, was the idea of not trading away your young players and they go and trade Kristaps Porzingis, which I I wrote an article about this, I'm pretty sure, but they they had a direction when they had Kristaps and that was to go young and... Literally everyone, like you said, like Nick said, was that has to be the way they go about. They can't cheat or wo- cheat their way around it. And then James Dolan got, at least in my eyes, got impatient of losing. And it was just taking too long for them to do this rebuild. So they traded Kristaps. Obviously, there was other issues, but they could have figured it out with Kristaps. And then they were put into a spot this offseason. They were going to go after Kyrie and KD. It didn't work out. So they put into a spot. Let's go get some young players. Um, like Julius Randle, stick with the young core, and then sign some old players. And like you said, I think these old players, the main reason they signed them was to have them develop the young talent throughout the beginning of the season and then trade them for draft picks or something like that. And they can definitely still do that part of their plan, but the disappointing thing is that a lot of the young talent that they had from last year and expected to get to the next level this year haven't really done that. Um, I mean, you can cite Kevin Knox. Uh, Julius Randle has started to improve, which is definitely important. Mitchell Robinson has done okay. Um, RJ Barrett, he struggled for a little bit, but is doing better now. But I, I think Kevin Knox is probably one of the bigger disappointments for the Knicks. There's just not a lot there, at least in my eyes. And maybe that's how they use him. But I think I still think the Knicks have no direction. But if they, there's no reason for them to trade their young players right now. And I looked up Andre Drummond's contract. It's like five years, 127 million dollars. There's no reason for the Knicks to take that, take on that type of money. And the only reason I would have done it is that because Julius Randle's contract doesn't look that good right now, especially how Julius Randle is playing. But Andre Drummond's contract is way worse, so I wouldn't even go there.
1: Yeah, I mean, going off what Nick said before, I totally agree. I think um, uh, we've learned from the Knicks and the Nets that you know trading away your picks to try to try to get some talent, and, like veteran talent, um, just kind of sometimes will leave you with bad contracts and um, with without any draft picks to fall back on. I think. Um, I think. You, it's always better to stay young, um, stay especially stay on those rookie contracts, um, those cheap contracts, and you really just have to, especially nowadays, you really have to pick and choose who you want to keep. Um, they have no pressure to win right now. However, I, I've said I said this before, I think, um, that it's really hard to be a GM or an owner in New York just because the fans really want to win right now. I think as long as you don't uh, give in to that pressure – Um, the Knicks are notorious for not being able to draft, but you look at teams like the 76ers who, you know, they just tanked and draft and it worked. Um, the Nets tried to trade away all their picks. And so for forever, they were one of the worst teams in the NBA. Um, the Knicks, the Knicks have had multiple bad deals, uh, trying to pull in veteran players. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of great teams build through the draft, um, and some some teams do truly build through the like through trading. Um, you know, Masai Jerry's is a great trader, but um, you, you you need to know what your your staff can do in terms of either scouting scouting talent for the draft or scouting talent for um, for trades. And I think I think New York just has to be very patient with their with their talent. It's, I think they're a very young team. They just need to keep bringing in young talent, bring in maybe a couple veterans on cheap contracts just to. Kind of mentor these guys um but i think over time you just you just have to wait for these guys to develop you, you can't just keep trying to win right now like eventually you got to slow down and realize okay we're not a good team we need to take our time like you said no shortcuts you just got to take your time with it until you're a good team and from there maybe you go all in on maybe bringing in a veteran you go over the salary cap or something but um un- until you get to a point where maybe you're just missing a couple pieces i think the draft is truly the way to go Mm-hmm. And, and they going just off you- better, they just have to draft better.
0: Nikola mm-hmm. was
1: totally uncalled for. That was a <laughs> yeah. draft. I, I'm a big fan, but he, he went a little early.
0: He, <laughs> yeah.
2: went, he went a little early. And yeah, and totally going off what you said, I, I think that's a key note when you're looking at the Rockets, right? You said there's no pressure for them to win right now. The Rockets have to win right now. Mm-hmm. The Rockets have. I think the. My Rockets, you know, I love my Rockets, but mm-hmm. we've traded away our first-round draft picks up until like 2026. If we don't win with Westbrook and Harden and Capella, we don't win with this core, then we have traded away our entire future. Then the, the Rockets are going to fall off a cliff once Harden and and I guess Westbrook. I don't know when his contract expires with us, but I know we have Harden for a while. And we're pro- most likely going to keep Harden for the rest of his career. We'd be stupid to get rid of him. But you know the Rockets are on a on a path. If they don't win, they're going to fall off a cliff, and it was all for nothing if they don't win. So I'm just I'm kind of scared for that. That's why I think again, you know, if you don't take the shortcuts and and you do your, you do your due diligence, I think that you know when well, the Rockets originally traded for Harden, they did good, and I think they they continued to build to the draft and did things right. They they would have uh, continued to maybe build, and then they might have been a team like the I don't want to say like the Lakers because the Lakers traded to get to where they are, but. You know, a team. I'd say more like the Bucks, right? The Bucks drafted to where they are. Good point. Where you have a team that, that you know, the Bucks, those type of teams that you draft and you don't trade for these big contracts and lose out on a lot, they're a lot more sustainable. It's a sustainable success rather than a one year and miss or one year and hit. Um, I think I, you know what the Warriors were a good example of that. They they drafted and how many? They went five years back to back to back, and you know they made that one trade for KD that really brought them over the top. But be- even before that, they were still making it to the championship. Every year. So I think, you know, if you draft rather than you trade away for everything and take chances, then you're, you're going to have a lot more sustainable success. You know, the, the Rockets were slowly getting better and they decided to trade for Chris Paul. And I do love Chris Paul. And I, I miss him being on the team because he was a good facilitator, good teammate. But at the same time, we gave up a good amount for him. You know, Patrick Beverly is a really good role player. And I think even if the Rockets sucked and, and, they may have gotten a draft pick, and they could have picked up whoever, and then had Patrick Beverly on the bench or whatever it was. You know, having players like Patrick Beverly are really good pieces to a championship team. And I think that you can, you can, the players that you need for the actual starters for the championship team, maybe you could get through a through a trade, not even trade, through a draft. Rather, I don't, I don't, know. I just don't give up too much in trades because it could backfire on you. And, and just the Rockets are a team waiting to implode if it doesn't work out. That's my I
1: think. I also think trading away just players in general is never a good deal. Just because in the NBA specifically, I think I think it's we've seen in the recent years, just depth is so important. Like the the Warriors just won because they had superstars. They could they could play two, and then when they're resting, they could put out another two, and then you know at the end of the game they have all of them out. But um, you see teams like Toronto or the Clippers right now; they just are deep teams. Maybe not a lot of stars, but you have guys who can produce and play defense all the way through and you have one or two guys who you know are top of the but probably best in the league you know um uh i really miss Kawhi. if you can't tell but uh he he we like he was the piece that we needed because we had depth all the way through we just needed that one superstar who could like carry us you know make that shot against the 76ers i think in in terms of the knicks I think they, they just have to keep drafting. Even if they don't hit, you just have to keep developing. They don't have to be star player. No one has to be a star player, in my opinion, because if you can get New York to be a solid team, just because it is the New York Knicks and they play at the Garden, which, in my opinion, I might be a little biased, but I, in my opinion, it will always be you know, the mecca for basketball. I think a lot of players do want to play in New York, um, they know the like what kind of like they know how serious the fans are in New York. they know how badly everyone wants a championship right now um, but there's just no talent. I think as long as they just keep developing these young guys, build some depth, if they're missing a couple pieces, I truly believe they can get some big name free agents in one off season and change everything. I think they just need to make the organization look a lot more attractive for free agents and like you said, I think Ownership is a big deal, uh, big big deal because he, they they just don't know how to maintain good personal relationships with their players, and they they are also very very governed by the fans just because the fans really want to win now and I guess I guess the the Knicks organization really wants to win right now as well but yeah hopefully the Knicks do well they they will always have a spot in my heart
0: yeah. <laughs> the only problem is. James Dolan, first off, and success is so far away, which Mm -hmm. sucks. Um, Any other basketball stuff we want to talk about? I think
2: I'm alright. Yeah, I'm good.
0: Okay. So I guess we'll go into our college section.
2: All right. So going into the college section, we have the college football playoffs tomorrow, which I can't watch because I have a four hour orientation for my EMT uh, class tomorrow. So that kind of sucks. But I think it should be a good game. As I predicted, um, I think LSU is probably going to win it by 20 points or more. I think they're that good of a team. They have so much talent. I have a lot of faith in Joe Burrow and his talents. Uh, At the same time, I think that Clemson's really good, and I think they're a team that's underrated every year because they don't go against good competition during the regular season. But when you win, I think, again, as I said, they've won 29 games in a row now, and that's that's enough. Just 29 games in a row is a lot of games in terms of football. So, they're a really good football team. Dabble Sweeney, really good coach. And Trevor Lawrence is going to be my uh, Heisman for next year. He's my favorite to win the Heisman next year. So that's my little prediction there. Um, I'm, I'll hand it off because I'm sure you guys want to talk a little bit about the college football playoffs. Um, just declarations for the draft, just to cover that. Tula um, Talalova, he he declared officially, uh, I think this this past week, six days ago, it was January 6th, he declared I think it's a good move for him. He's kind of proven all he can in terms of college, so I think it's time for him to go on to the NFL. He might he might fall a little bit in the draft, far than we'd expect. You know, some people expect him to go number five. Some people expect him to go a little bit later. I'm expecting him to go somewhere in between. Because just because of like you, if you guys remember, he blew out his hip in his last game. I think he shattered the wall of his hip or something along those lines. So there's some there's some concerns there. But I do think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's a his, his leadership skills are even beyond his talent, so I think he's a really good guy to pick up in the draft. Whatever team drafts him, and I think beyond that, uh, Grom from or from I was I was messing with name. It's not the, I was messing with Jacob Degrom and Jake <laughs> Fromm From from uh, from Georgia. He he declared. Um, yeah, Jake Fromm, he declared, and I don't know if this is the right move for him. Um, he's had a lot of talent around him in Georgia, and he really doesn't stick out in in this year. Which is a year full of really talented quarterbacks in terms of the draft. So I think it would be smart for him to wait a year and see if he can come out as maybe like a Burrow next year, where he, he really explodes. And he's, you know, the higher seed you are, number one, the more likely teams are. Even if let's say you don't work out the team that drafts you, another team will give you a shot just because you are a uh, you were a first round selection. As well as there's a lot more guaranteed money. So you know, you you as a person as a player, you want to get do your best to become a first overall, you know, the first rounder. And, and get your money. So, so I think it would have been smart for Jake Fromm to, to wait another year, but he did declare. Um, so that is that is my college football playoffs little sh- uh, spiel. Do you guys have any comments? Oh, yeah. Um, just going off
1: what you said about the Clemson-LSU game, um, it's always fun to watch the the championship just because it's college football, and all these all, all these people just want to prove to everyone that they can win. Um, so the, these, these kids will just put their lives on their lines on the line just to try to win this game like you said uh, Clemson doesn't usually play the strongest opponents throughout the season I think that's a slight advantage in the sense that they were just blowing most of these teams out Um, it's I think it's really good for morale no matter what just because a win is a win and you know um, even though they don't play against great teams they, they just blow them out. And when it comes to great teams like the Fiesta Bowl this year, they, they can beat up good teams like Ohio State. Um, I think they also play with a huge chip on their shoulder because everyone does say, everyone does comment on how they come out of, a, you know, they, they always play weak opponents. But they uh, I, I feel like Clemson is just one of those teams that's consistently always competing. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be really fun game to watch. I, I truly believe you can never predict a, a college football game, and um, I, th- I think Clemson could come into this, and I, I think they could win it on, just just because they they have the momentum, they have the chip on their shoulder. I, I think I think as long as the coaching the, the coaches have a good culture with its team, I think I think it's going to come down to coaching.
0: Um, I have nothing to add to this conversation. <laughs> As many people know, I don't follow college
2: football, so. All right, so I guess I'll move on to college basketball yeah. then. Uh, so this week in college basketball, it was a really good week. Um, a, a lot of good games this week, a ton of upsets. Um, I couldn't probably go through all of them. But just going through, I guess i go through my, my game of the week before I go through my upsets of the week. So my game of the week that I chose is was going to be uh, number four Baylor versus number three Kansas this week. Uh, really highly anticipated game. You know, both teams are really hot right now and doing very well for themselves. And uh, Baylor came out on top. You know, they were the lower seed, but I'm assuming they'll become the higher seed now. Um, it should be interesting to see where the teams land. Again, there was a ton of upsets this week, so I think we're going to see a lot of movement within the top 10, which should be pretty interesting. You know, it was a really good week because there's going to be so much movement in the top 10. So if we're looking at the AP poll right now as it stands, just to go through it, we have Gonzaga at one. You know, you can't knock that. They've been really—they have probably been the best football team all year. Uh, football team, guys. Kind of. Nick, Nick.
0: Yeah, I lost, I lost, I lost, I lost. <laughs> Nick. Oh
1: boy! Oh boy! <laughs> I actually hear some
2: echo. That might be coming from my side.
0: Nick, we
2: can't hear you. <laughs> oh, you can't hear me? <laughs> yeah,
0: we missed everything. You just said. <laughs> Can
2: you hear me now? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. My, my earbud's died. I apologize. How far did you, far did you get me, to? <laughs> I don't know.
0: I didn't see uh, that, so we're still
1: y- going. <laughs> y- I, think, I think you were starting at the, the rankings. <laughs> yeah, okay, A- so from- number
2: one. Okay, so I'll go through my rankings again. Uh, so we have Gonzaga at number one, which I think they've kind of pulled away as the number one team. They're 18 and one. They've been very hot this season, and you can't really knock them. Number two, which I think is a close number two, but I think they're not quite there, is Duke. Uh, Behind Jones have been so good this year. Uh, Three, Kansas, who have been pretty wishy-washy this year. They're going to fall after they lost to Baylor this week. Um, Baylor, we have at four, which I'm assuming they'll probably move up to number three and maybe number two, just because they did be the number three seed in such. I think they won by a good amount, too. Um, Five, Auburn. Six, Butler. Seven, San Diego State. 8, Michigan State, 9, Oregon, and 10, Florida State. In terms of our two biggest movers for the week, I'd imagine Michigan State and Florida State move up. Um, but other than that, again, I think a lot of the, the ranked teams lost this week, so it's going to be, again, a lot of movement within the the rankings. Um, in terms of the bigger losses, I think Virginia, they've lost two in a row now, which is pretty big. They're 11-4, and four, which is obviously a big fall off from what they were last year, but they did lose all the talent to the draft. And then UNC is also they they can't seem to find the win column, which they were one of the best teams or I guess power rank teams going into this this season, and they haven't been the same. I think they lost Cole Anthony. I don't know if he's back from injury or not yet. But the you know North Carolina is eight and eight, and they were considered to be one of the best basketball teams going into this season. So that's that's pretty shocking. Um, so I guess that's that's my college basketball rundown for the week. Do you guys have any comments?
0: Nope. I guess. From there, I mean, we did a controversial topic, so I guess that's it for this week's podcast. Um, I'll give it over to Nick and Richard for any final thoughts, words of wisdom, whatever you want.
2: You want to go
1: first? <laughs> I,
0: <it>
2: doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, sure, I'll go first. Um, so I guess I'm just, I'm back at school now, guys, just a little update on me, um, I spent this past Saturday at the White Plains, uh, Westchester County Center in New York, with uh, if you guys don't know them, one some of the guys that I took pictures with, you can find them on my Instagram at nick. Um It was Mike Singletary, linebacker, legendary line, linebacker for the Bears, uh, Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, um, Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer was really nice; he's a really nice guy. Um, so yeah, it was, was my weekend. Pretty cool guys. Um, and I know it's always I always like spending time with the greats because they have so much knowledge when I sit down with them they always, they're always they always like really cool guys to talk to and they have so many stories like Jim Palmer he was going on and on about his stories and, and there's one moment that stuck out to me where he, he took this kid and he, he asked him how to uh, pitch a change up and it's funny because we have like a line of 70 people waiting to get an autograph from him and it, Jim Palmer took the kid and he's probably spent 15 minutes teaching him how to different change ups That's cute. <laughs> and so it, it was pretty fun um on that. Um, I guess I'm back to school now. i'm Gonna take an EMT class. Nine hours on Saturday it's gonna be hell, but <laughs> hopefully it'll be worth it. Um other than that how many weeks is it that? I think it's fifteen weeks. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna be fun. But other than that, um if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, leave them on our Instagram at the Um you can again you can contact me on my Instagram at nickdathorbath. Contact me at my email at nicholaswhorbat or on my Twitter at nickwhorbat61. Um, thank you guys for listening. I'll hand it off to Richard. Um, I
1: did not have an as interesting cool. couple weeks as Nick did, but uh, I mean, I've i just been kind of drooling over the NFL season so far, and uh, honest, honestly, I've I have no regrets, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to the rest of the season. Um, I am. Not doing much right now in my life, but hopefully hopefully that will change. <laughs> <laughs> Not much to say there, but uh, thank you guys again for having me. I had a really good time.
0: Yeah. Um, let's see. It was nice to have Richard back on the podcast. Um, other than that, we just passed 200 subscribers on our YouTube, which is pretty exciting. Um, mm-hmm. I think this week we had probably our biggest growth. I think we at the start of the week we were at like 170 so 30 subscribers that's pretty good um so check out all our videos a lot of football content obviously with the playoffs going on get out all those videos um other than that uh if you have any interest writing for us editing videos any any way you think you could help contact us at the sport universe 2019@gmail.com and other than that thanks for listening bye